everyone and welcome to another Scots Wahey podcast and today I'm joined by creative director of I Am Loud Productions, Kevin McLean. Hello Kevin. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure and the first question is what can you tell us about I Am Loud? Oh, I mean, I'll take up the hour. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's good. It's, we're, we're a spoken word production company. Um, we launched 2014, February 2014, as a, a kind of poetry night in Edinburgh. It was a bunch of uh, performance poets kind of looking for something a bit more performance focused uh, for a night to attend. There were lots of really good um, poetry nights in the city, obviously, but but we, we kind of felt most stuff was either quite like cabaret focused, where poetry was just kind of a part of the overall night. Or it was more kind of like a literary focused poetry, which obviously both both things have their place. But we were kind of looking for something a bit more punchy, and so we we launched Loud Poets as a a night uh, using kind of music uh, as an accompaniment to spoken word rather than in in its own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a lot, of, you know, sort of changed how we we presented it. We didn't have a host. We didn't have you know ten minute slots. We had people kind of doing poems here and there and introducing each other and. And we did it, uh, first one was at TV Underground, February 2014, and we had oh, 180 people showed up, oh. um, which we were like, oh, okay, I guess other people are after this. So then we've been running monthly nights uh, in Edinburgh. We were running them in Glasgow for a while. We've done fringe shows and sort of little tours. And then, you know, kind of as, as things progressed and we, we we incorporated a lot of film work into what we were doing kind of doing podcast stuff and uh, all these sort of different strands to to what we were doing rather than just um, the singular night that was Loud Poets. So we decided eventually, and, you know, you you, you slowly realise you've got to make things a little more coherent. So we, we launched the company uh, officially hey, in 2018. We kind of formalised what we were doing. And so hey, we decided to go with I Am Loud Productions um, to kind of, you know, be true to like the loud poets kind of ethos but so we could do other things uh, around the film work that we're doing and things like that to just kind of help uh you know kind of broaden the spectrum of what we're doing but all of our work has still always really been heavily focused on spoken word and and yeah so that's that's kind of the the abridged version of the the slow stumble towards where we are now and there's a lot to take in there, because the the first night, so you see 180 people. What were your expectations of that first night? Can't have been that. Oh, no, 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 not, not at all. It was, I, I mean, we knew there was an interest, right? So so when we started, when I started out in Edinburgh, it was very much like um, the big night was Soapbox at the, mm-hmm. the, the Pleasance Cabaret Bar. And it was a student society night, but it was never exclusive to students. So it was like this really popular open mic, and it ran sort of weekly, uh, in rotation with the lit sock slams that would happen. So it was two sort of po- uh, societies within the uni. And they were so popular. The slams, like a fresher week slam, uh, the cabaret bar would get 150 people crammed into the cabaret bar and, you know, fire marshals coming to have a word. And so we knew there was that kind of like very grassroots, very like hungry to uh, see more kind of audience. But I don't, I don't think we thought it would translate to that for us. So we, we expected a good audience. So we went for the underground. I was expecting maybe maybe 70, 80 folk would, would show up and that would be really good. And then when they were queued, kind of, uh, I don't know if anyone's been to the TV yet, but from the underground, they were queued up the steps, out the front door. And it was, I was, my mind was blown. Uh, and it's kind of continued to be since we, 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 we've done events. I mean, 
we we only received funding for our live event series for the first time post lockdowns right so we'd been running you know years of live events off the back of people buying tickets and and uh, that that's always been a huge <laughs> thing for me it blows my mind that, that people come along and i think it shows there is that that hunger there for for spoken word and then when you introduce it to people and you can get it in front of people they click to it and then when you had that that core group in edinburgh uni and you know people would bring their mates along and stuff and suddenly people were like oh wow this is amazing and it blew up as a, a community and yeah. it's yeah yeah so it was part of what you wanted to do from the beginning was to grow this audience to take it to people who maybe didn't know what to expect or didn't know that they would enjoy it, you know, because I think still there's this thing about a spoken word night. People are not entirely sure what to expect. As you said, there might be a bit of cabaret, there might be a bit of music, there might be a bit of comedy, you know, that it kind of comes encompass a lot of different things. But did you want to kind of concentrate on the spoken word poetry? Was that a kind of purity of it if you like yeah i mean i, I i've talked about this before but like i wasn't a big poetry fan in, in oh, high school okay. i really didn't enjoy poetry it didn't it didn't connect with me and i think that was because while i was reading really great poets i think i you know i grew up in livingston kind of new town you know a very different time from a lot of the poetry i was studying and it just it didn't resonate with me you know people talking about life farming or life by the sea or these these sort of a lot of it was like wilderness focused nature focused or or very old and it just it didn't it didn't it didn't resonate with me in the same way and I think poetry in a way was always delivered with like there's a right answer this is what that line means and I didn't kind of vibe with that I was a theater kid I loved the performance aspect of it. I loved the narrative aspect of it I liked that engagement with an audience and so when I came into the scene like that idea of of when I first the first poetry night I went to was a soapbox and I was like, oh I could write, perform, direct, produce, be the whole thing. That was very appealing to me. And then it was like through doing that and seeing the strength of poetry. Like I, I, you make a great point, right? Cabaret nights are wonderful because they give you a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, a bit of music, a bit of comedy, a bit of theater, maybe a monologue or two. Yeah, a bit of poetry. That's wonderful thing. But my opinion after that first couple open mics was like you get all that in the spoken word poetry and so I, I was always uh, kind of slightly confused by those cabaret nights I was like why are you adding all this other stuff in just book poets who lean to the the, the other sides of it and I think spoken word poetry at its core is like the building block other things are built on right so you see you see a lot in spoken word where people they'll do spoken word poetry because it's very under there's not a lot of infrastructure for it it's very underfunded it's not got the same audience base poets spoken word poets will go and become musicians or become theater makers or become comedians or kind of like take these offshoots and i think that's because spoken words like the the central thing right it's it, all you need for spoken word is an idea of what you want to say and a platform to say it on and so you you get poets who lean to the comedy, lean to the the musical or the lyrical, and you can apply things like music. Like we we have we still work with with a musician at our monthly shows, 
who will like improvise behind the poetry and like that ability to to blend into film to blend into theater to blend into music I think is the huge strength of spoken word poetry and so for me that was always the main thing and I was like yeah I want a night that is as high production as the best comedy night you can go to that is as engaging and moving as the best night of theater you can go to that is as lively and, and rowdy as a, a good concert like I wanted all of that with spoken word poets and I think it's taken a long time but I think that's the, this year has been the biggest year for me and I'm, I'm super proud of what we've done in our shows and I think it's really started to click Right. And when we pitched it to audiences, kind of foolishly, our whole thing was, do you not like poetry? Well, come to our poetry night. And, and that is, is one really rewarding, because when people did, I still, to this day, people come to our shows, but I've never been to anything like this. Yes. And that's that's an amazing thing again. But they want to know when the next one is, and that's hugely yeah. rewarding. But also it was a kind of mission to show that it could be a fun Friday night activity and that the, the amazing artists that are that are part of that scene like deserve those platforms too so that that's always been the core focus and i think i think we're really hitting that stride now yeah i wonder how many people had similar experiences to yourself in that they were taught poetry at school or attempted to be taught poetry at school in my own case and you know <laughs> and all this kind of stuff and it wasn't actually till I saw people like John Cooper Clark or John Hegley on the telly who were like, absolutely what you're saying. Suddenly it wasn't just about the words. It was about the way that the words were spoken and the way it was presented and all of those things. And sometimes with a bit of music going on in the background as well. In fact, I remember seeing John Cooper Clark supporting The Fall. So you had that kind of crossover of kind of almost rock and roll poets as well. Um, but it's interesting to have that almost single-minded, no, I know what this is going to be, I also know what it's not going to be, because I think that probably helps people to go, yeah, I know what an I Am Loud night is. And we, we found that, I mean, it, it's taken, you know, it's a, it's a long time and a lot of effort, but eventually, poetry is a funny thing, right, like where, where it is... It, People know the big poets, right? The, the sort of, the, you know, you know your laureates and your mackers and like you, you know these sort of names or like John Cooper Clark's a great example. He's like a zeitgeist figure, right? People know him. But in terms of the contemporary spoken word scene, people might not be able to like point and go, oh, those are the big poets nowadays. And so for us, it was about building a reputation of like, you don't need to know who the poets are. Yeah. We we will consistently put on a quality evening that is fun to come to, that has a range of styles, that has an interesting format. Because I'm a big believer in like, you know, you need to be really, really good to to not become a bit monotonous after half an hour of poems, right? Especially some poems are very short and like you could be a really, really talented writer, but eh, it gets a bit, you know, much, especially if that style or that genre of poetry doesn't kind of vibe with you. So I'm a big believer in an interesting format and like mixing it up constantly. So we'll have like four poets on at a loud poet show and they'll all do an intro poem and then we'll show you a video poem from another poet and then we'll play poetry jukebox where we bring all the poets on stage and throw up random prompts and the again I just have to pull something out of the bag and it's a bit more anarchic. Then then we come back and then you get your feature sets, 15 minutes of that poet. But one of those poems is with a musician. And so that kind of that structure 
kind of forces the poets to kind of get a little out of their comfort zone and maybe pull out something they wouldn't normally read. It, it allows the audience to have the poets broken up and 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 not, you know, if you don't like someone's style, you're not kind of trapped in it. But then you also get that punchy, you know, powerful feature set where they can carve something. And so we 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 find that people like our format and they like a loud poets night we host it like a comedy night like i do 10 minutes at the top chit-chatting with the audience and and kind of you know setting the tone of an evening and that tone persists so that when a poet wants to sink into something a bit more introspective or somber or or you know kind of intense maybe the the energy in the room goes with it but then can kind of pull back out and go back to being kind of fun friday night and so i think having those kind of like having it a bit more interspersed and and, and borrowing some of the the infrastructure from like a comedy night yeah helps and so that's been a big thing about what we've been trying to do at, at like poets is create like a almost a vocabulary for the audience i remember going to poetry nights like really early on uh, and if, if you had a performance poet and they would do a poem and uh, not be able to kind of cue to the audience that it was done because a page poem just ends and you know it's yeah. finished whereas like a, a an oral poem like sometimes people don't know when it's finished and then that poet's a bit nervous and so rather than kind of just taking a step back and letting people clap they kind of carry on and then no one will clap for the rest of the night because they don't want that poet to feel like they didn't like that poem and so you're you're trying to you're trying to create a, a vocabulary and a, and a structure for both poets and audience to kind of get to grips with, okay, what does a spoken word poetry night look like and what's the best way to present that? So yeah, it's it's a process, but I think we're we're slowly building that. And it's been really wonderful to see audiences trust that a loud poets night is going to be good and come along to it. And especially like the away shows. Like yeah. it's been very cool this year partnering with other regional organizations so like grassroots open mics kind of around Scotland. And like this year we've taken Joelle Taylor, Mark Grist, Tony Walsh and Kim Moore to like a cafe in Dumfries and and some of the people there they have no idea that Joelle Taylor is a T.S. Eliot award-winning poet who's like a an absolute pillar of the spoken word scene in the UK they're just like oh well Loud Poets was fun last time so we'll go along and you watch their minds blown as she does like a 15-minute set it's incredible and so like having that having that relationship with audiences is super important. I think, again, that's probably a, a barrier to get through because many people would go, you're going to an evening of poetry. And I mean, I think the dynamics of an audience and a poetry event is an interesting one itself, as you say. It's like, do I clap? Do I laugh? Do what do I do? And then, you know, and maybe other people would say, the next poet is and give you a rundown of the achievements and the publications and all that kind of stuff. But what you're doing is, it's almost like we're going to create this for you you've come to trust what we do and that's where you get the repeat the people coming along oh I, I i that's a big like hosting is a big bugbear for me like i it's something i've worked really hard at since we kind of started using a more permanent host and that that's me i, I host our like monthly night mm -hmm. and it's about you know how do you best facilitate the the poets and i go to, i go to, i've been to plenty of poetry things over the last 10 years that were were running uphill before they'd started because they weren't setting the right tone or they weren't giving that audience i'm like when i come out for a loud poet show i should be the most excited guy in the room if, if i'm not if i don't seem excited for what's about to happen why should you be in the audience you know what i mean so yeah. so i should be as 
excited to see the poets as, as possible. And like I could run down Joel Taylor's awards yeah. for 10, 15 minutes. I could take up all her whole set time by saying the accolades that she has. Or I could say, like, I tend to like, I don't read bios. I tend to say why I like the poet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll point to that. I saw this poet at this event. It was amazing. They they absolutely blew it away. They've got this, and I'll give them maybe like a little descriptive style. Like with Joelle, I'd be like, it's just it's such intricate writing with phenomenal performance, like skills, and you, you're just yeah. gonna blow you away. And then I let her come on and be Joelle Taylor. It, uh, you don't need me to. You don't need to know she's a T.S. Eliot Award winner yeah. to see she's really good. And I think as well, one big thing we're trying to do is elevate the Scottish scene. So when we had Joelle on our show, she had the same amount of time as a local Scottish poet who had, we had been, had been coming along our open mic for a year and had, was doing amazing. Timo H. Peel, really talented writer, super dynamic performer, like beautiful work. Nowhere near the accolades of Joelle Taylor, but they're presented the same. And if I read Joelle's bio, and not yeah. and and then read themos, you know. I Absolutely. mean, it doesn't work. So we're trying to elevate people by using these bigger names and presenting them as like equal. And our audience might not know the difference, and so they 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 can make that choice for themselves whose work they liked. You know what I mean? And you mentioned there about taking a going round Scotland, which I think is obviously a really important thing to do. You have kind of got a home with the Scottish Scottish storytelling centre, yeah. Yeah, to have a kind of home and also be able to go around the rest of the country as well. Definitely. I mean, that that's we've had that relationship since our first fringe run in 2014 yeah. with the Storytelling Centre. It is a building that I, I I adore. That space is incredible. Yeah. If, if you've never been, it's such a surprise because people see that building on the mile kind of jutting out John Knox's house and they're like, oh, okay, and they go inside and then you take them down to this stunning 100-seat theatre kind of right under the Royal Mile. What a privilege to be able to do our fringe runs there and to have a monthly show there is is, is stunning. The, the staff are amazing at the Storytelling Centre. Their year-round programme is phenomenal. I think it's one of the most underrated venues in the city, uh, especially during French. People people sleep on it, and it's uh, the, the programme manager there. He does an absolutely incredible job, Daniel Abercrombie, to, to put in some phenomenal shows, really, really dynamic, interesting stuff, cutting edge, which is not necessarily what people would often associate yeah. something like the Storytelling Centre with. I think sometimes people think it's a bit like, oh, it'll be a bit twee and a bit, and you're like... Sometimes, and the, you know, it celebrates the whole range of like Scottish stories. Like it's it's so it leans there, but it but you'll see some stuff that'll like totally change your perspective. And um, so I, I think working there is amazing, and having a home base, having somewhere with, with yeah. that is like that's the example I want to show people. Here is an amazing theater with the perfect setup, with great tech, with everything we need to be able to present the best version of what the Loud Poet Show should be. Not that's taken us a long time to build, costs a lot. It's not the, the infrastructure everyone has. So being able to go out, see other scenes, engage with those scenes, find new voices, new poets. And like for me, it's about creating an infrastructure. So like one of the problems and why I was talking about people kind of jump off and go and do comedy or go and do a thing yeah. is you hit a ceiling very quickly in spoken word. Yeah. You do the feature nights around you, the local open mics, and then you write a show or you do launch a night. <laughs> like, But that's kind of it. And so for us, it was about going, okay, if you're doing your open mic, 
we'll come in and we'll see you do your open mic and then maybe we'll book you for the feature when we're there in your local area and then you could sign up to a slam and maybe win that or then if you're smashing it we'll bring you down to the the edinburgh show that is like our, our main show and it's about mixing those communities up and getting them to see each other and be able to access other spoken word communities and trying to make it more of a national scene because i think that'll create more opportunities and then you have a real you know you have from open micer to open mic feature to slam winner to you know high-end production night feature like my poets mm -hmm. and i think that would give people more time more opportunities to, to to stay in the scene yeah and own that craft and you mentioned there uh, discovering new voices i assume that's part of the joy of what you do is giving a platform to to people who perhaps would struggle to find other places a really good example so it's uh, amazing night up in aberdeen uh, Speaking Weird, run by uh, Orla Shorrell. Absolutely fantastic night. She's doing some stellar work up there to build a scene. Aberdeen was one of the few scenes kind of coming out of the pandemic that was like stronger. Like, you know, it came out hard. Um, and that, a lot of that's down to Orla. And like, we went up there and partnered with Speaking Weird. So we've been a couple of years now kind of running events up there. And one of the first features we booked um, for that night you know, we're kind of going, had never kind of had a feature spot before. And we sent a kind of, you know, artist release through, it's got, you know, details of like the the fee and, and our filming and stuff like that. And she replied to us being like, is that a fee I have to pay you? And that's like heartbreaking because <laughs> you're like, she's so good, so talented, but she didn't, she'd never had a paid gig. Yeah. And so when we went up there, I had a, a kind of very prominent London-based poet with me. And I was explaining that. And he was like, if she was down in London, she'd be gigging three, four times a week. And she'd be getting feature slots on the regular now. She'd probably be in the, the mix for getting published and doing like mm. all that stuff. And you go, because she's then in Aberdeen, that's not the, the opportunities that are afforded to her. And so trying to help those regional scenes and give them more opportunities to get importantly paid gigs, not just because like open mic, you know, they, they do what they can. They're a great platform for, for, starting out for learning what you're doing for being able to you know try new material and things like that but there needs to be more paid gigs for 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 poets performance poets i don't want publishing to be the only option for for poets uh, yeah. i think spoken word is is its own thing it's doing a different thing to page poetry and like you, you shouldn't have to publish to to you know make ends meet <laughs> yeah no absolutely and I'm, I'm just to, to get noticed as well i think that's really interesting um just as an aside, it does seem to me that Aberdeen, where obviously, you know, there's been financial kind of downturn after everything, the art scene in general is absolutely thriving. I know a few people up there that, you know, whether it's the music or um, art or graffiti art or all that, it's a really interesting city. But it also sounds to me like what you can do as a production company is almost educate people who don't know perhaps how to get a bit of funding or, or where they should be playing or to just say, actually, I should be getting paid for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a lot of it is like, it's, is you know, 10 years of trial and error. And if I can save someone that time, then <laughs> I will absolutely do so. Like, we're the first people to say, like, whenever I hear someone be like, oh, I was thinking about trying to write a fund and I'm like, come and talk to us. Like, like we're, we're no, you know, 
it's always a roulette with things like funding you know you're never guaranteed anything but I'm like, if i can give you a piece of advice and i can if i can cast an eye over what you're trying to do and make that work like we'll always we'll always do that we're very lucky to establish like a big social media presence and stuff and so we try really hard to to share other nights and to promote other other i'm a big believer in like high tides raise all ships yeah. and i think sometimes in the art scene because it can be so difficult you know i mean in terms of financially to to make stuff happen i think sometimes people get a bit you know protective of the they want you know their slice of the pie but i'm like there is no pie so maybe we make the pie and then we worry about who gets what slice you know what i mean and i i, I generally think the more poetry nights in Scotland that are doing good stuff, that are that are getting audiences in, that can start, you know, making a bit of money to pay their poets to to grow those opportunities, the more it becomes a standard thing. The less people I'll see who will come to a live poets gig and go, I've never been to anything like this, yeah. because there'll be so many of them, and you kind of need that. I always think we're 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 on that tipping edge with spoken word where every now and again you get this boom in the scene and you get a bunch of people who are really committed to doing it and really into it and it just doesn't get quite far enough and it kind of comes down a little bit. But I always think it's scaling up. You know, you get the the rise and a little dip and then a bigger rise and a little dip. And I think we're we're ever closer to having that kind of threshold moment where where people do know what it is and people do expect to see it on on you know cabaret bills or as featured parts of festivals. This year, we partnered with the Edinburgh International Book Festival. And that's after, you know, I, I worked with them the year before on their spoken word showcase. And so that's two years they made that commitment to to work with the spoken word scene in a way that was not on their radar previously. And it was a good thing for them. It was a great thing for the spoken word scene. And hopefully that's a relationship that, that continues. And that, like, you know, that in itself is educating people to to the spoken word scene's existence and allows for more opportunities for those artists so I, I, and that is the trajectory i see more festivals more lit festivals kind of like looking at the the scene the forward prize this year had a performance category and, and stuff so like the more that can happen the the more opportunities will surface and it's really interesting because that kind of was my experience over the years of the spoken word scene is there'd be a night that everyone would talk about and it would run for a while and then it would end, and then there'd be another one a bit, bit later, and yeah. that would run for a while. And I guess it's what you were saying about people reaching a ceiling are then just going on to do other things or, you know, work in other areas or all of those things. You, But to have a consistency, as you say, for almost 10 years, that in itself means that people get to a... They don't just think, well, that'll be away in a year's time or a couple of years' time. You know, there's that kind of... Uh, continuity in itself is, is such a good thing. And I feel like we're only really just getting started. Just like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, I'm a kind of eternal optimist. Like I'm, I'm like, dun, dun, cool. We get through this, and everything will be <laughs> milk and honey. <laughs> so like I'm, 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 I'm always like that. I'm like, oh, cool. I can see, I can see where we'll be in five, ten years, and I think it will be a, a radically different position from where we are now, which is a radically different position from where we were ten years ago. And I think that like at every stage it has gotten slightly easier because you put that time in, you build those connections. You, 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 we're more established in the lit scene in Scotland than we've ever been. You know what I mean? When, when I was, I was starting out, man, there was no one from creative Scotland talking to us or the book trust or, or, you know, 
<laughs> any of those kind of big lit organizations whereas now we're in the room with those guys and like having those conversations and even if it's just them being aware of that that other side of the scene like that's that's a first step and once you get your foot in the door it's easier and easier to make the argument for why you should be included in things and like see i'm seeing that in a, a big way currently of like more lit fests and and stuff kind of going like hey even if it's not for us but being like hey could you recommend some spoken words poets in this area or that area and like yeah those those opportunities come in so that's that's my hope as it continues <laughs> but that, that kind of that almost you need to be almost stubborn and keep going does get there because the name gets out people hear it once people hear it twice they continue to hear it and they go oh there's something going on here and then it's not such a surprise to them when uh, they they find the person in front of them saying we'd like to work with you yeah, yeah exactly and yeah you just get it's it's a reality i'm sure you've you've heard it from a million artists right like it's there's a grind factor to the art scene is like so many people can come in and they you know drift away or find something different it's a, it's a very kind of like ephemeral scene yeah. <laughs> like especially in a city like edinburgh that is so international and like people kind of come and go and i think there is a, an aspect to these kind of like bigger institutions or bigger opportunities where they kind of want to see that you're like in it for the long haul that you need that kind of track record and like you know that that can be a detriment in some ways a positive in others and i think it's it's about um you know just trying to trying to show that you're you're in it and you're going to do good work and kind of building that trust factor a bit in terms of what you're doing and like certainly having partners like the storytelling center has been a huge help for us you know folks that say you lit and stuff have always been great and getting what we're trying to do and so it's it's you know a matter of time you make your argument and if you make it well enough and you're kind of passionate about the thing you're doing and importantly if you can convince audiences audiences are the biggest sway so like we we did the the our big slam final at the book fest and we had almost 400 people in the room and we had another 160 people watching online and well there's your argument i don't need to convince yeah. the book fest that that was an event worth doing yeah. they took the swing on it and like yeah it was that was amazing so that's so you, exactly the kind of thing that'll get them to go right when can we book you in for next year that's exactly yeah. it if there isn't a big spoken word show at next year's book fest i would have real questions about that because like well there's all the people that came and it was a new audience you know what i mean it's a crossover audience you had some people that were there for the book fest who who were like oh a slam that'll be interesting and we're like, whoa. And then you had some people who were there for because it was a slam, because of the year of events we'd put on, who were like, maybe hadn't been to the book fest before, who, who yeah. didn't necessarily think it was their kind of event. So like it, it only creates more opportunity when when people cross over. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Yeah. And can you you said you've had a busy 2023? Can you maybe tell us a bit about what, what you had going on? Because it looks busy. Yeah, it was, it was, so it was, you know, for, for us, it, it kind of, our 2023 started about two years ago. It was, it was that crazy thing where I worked with the book fest uh, to help them put on a spoken word showcase and they, they, they were pleased with what we did. And so when we managed to convince them to, to take a, a punt on us for, for 2023 and partner with us to put on a slam series. And like, I, I think slam, it, but people don't, I talk about it, like, I'm so in the, slam mindset i'm just like everyone knows what a poetry slam is it's competitive poetry which is dumb but a good fun like evening <laughs> um, and so the idea is you get a bunch of poets and we have you know a round system so we go 12 poets 
six poets, three poets in the final, and they're whittled down by judge judges' scores. So they perform a poem, they have three minutes at the mic, uh, judges score them, and we, you know, take the top six to the top three to a winner. Um, and like, we don't fall for the poets. It's not, we don't focus super heavy on the competitive nature of it. It's about having a, a chance to perform and like, you know, the, the kind of fun of slam. It's its own little challenge, meeting some other poets and kind of doing the thing. But for audiences, it pulls them in. So we we, we did this and, and I wanted to create a, a prize for, for spoken word that was not connected to publishing that had the level of like some of the bigger poetry awards. So what we did was we, we did this uh, slam series where we went to six Scottish uh, regions. So we were in Edinburgh, Dumfries, Dundee, Aberdeen, Inverness and Inverclyde. Uh, and we did uh, a poetry slam in each of them. And the winner got 200 quid and uh, the winner and runner up qualified for our grand slam final. And so the final took place, like I said, at the book fest, and we had a three grand cash prize. Wow. Uh, and we have a big stupid wrestling belt that we got made with the Loud Poets logo. And we, you know, used music in the final rounds and, and presented it as this kind of like really raucous night. Pulled in a huge amount of like new faces, new audiences. And then we got to go all over the country and see uh, what everyone was up to. Uh, all these sort of little regions we hadn't been to before and seen those voices. And we filmed it all, put it all out on YouTube so people could, for the first time, people could see the whole scene, the whole Scottish scene kind of in, in, in one snapshot. And we took with us um, poets. So we would, the benefit of doing the kind of Storytelling Centre thing is we would have uh, four poets on the bill on a Friday in Edinburgh. Uh, including kind of like one name we'd brought in from from usually down south and then we would take that person with us to to the regional uh sort of open mic we were partnering with and they would be the sacrificial poet or judge and judge for the slam and so we could take Joelle Taylor at this cafe in Dumfries and Joelle would do a sacrificial spot to open the slam and, and she would do a, a set uh, before the second round, but she would also judge. And so that's a huge opportunity for you as a poet to be like, I'm going to read my poems directly to Joelle Taylor, which is very cool. Um, and it, it got huge traction and people seemed really into it. It pulled a, pulled a bunch of new folk uh, out, of, out of the woodwork. It's amazing what putting a three grand cash prize up made it so much yeah, easier to get slam signups. Uh, and so filming that was great. So, we, so yeah, we had, we had something. And then the later half of the year, after August, uh, we also did like three fringe shows uh, just because gluttons for punishment. Uh, and then we did the, the final in August. And then the tail end of this year, we're doing our Storytelling Centre show followed by an away show. So it's not a slam, but we do like an open mic. And then we have the feature from the Friday night show in Edinburgh come with us. And we have a loud poet and a local feature as well. So we have a kind of abridged version of our full Friday night show. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, and then we've also been running a bi-monthly open mic in Edinburgh. Uh, so twice a month, we have an open mic. Uh, it's currently at the Cannons Gate. Uh, and then we've been doing, we did Napo Rimo with some podcasts for Napo Rimo, uh, National Poetry Writing Month. So we put out three videos a week online uh, from our series, from various live events and stuff. But then we also do special things like um, Napo Rimo podcasts or online workshops. We have a monthly writing group that we have with people from all over Scotland, uh, everywhere we visited, at least one person has signed up to the writing group, which is great. 
Um, we, we published an anthology, self-published an anthology this year, um, which I was dragged kicking and screaming by the other loud poets to do. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's like just trying to do everything we can. Loads of film work. We worked with Glenn Fiddick for Burns, which was great. We've we were um, out doing workshops uh, in Switzerland um, this this year for for um, a book festival. Like it's yeah, it's any anything and everything we can do. We've been filming other spoken word nights. We were down working with Bad Betty uh, Press down in Nottingham, filming their nights and. Just trying to, yeah, anywhere there's spoken word going on, you may find a loud poet uh, frantically trying to get people to engage with it. So it's been, it's been a huge year, like our biggest year by far. By the end of this year, last year, we worked with over 160 poets. Um, we platformed over 160 poets. This year, it'll be over 200, I think, uh, which is, is yeah, exactly what we're after. <laughs> I will talk about your plans for 2024 in a moment, but uh, I... I'm interested in the idea that when you go round the country um, and audiences there, I, you know, in Edinburgh and even in Glasgow, you've got people that kind of they've probably been to a few nights and, you know, they're mm -hmm. up regular nights, I understand. But when you go to somewhere like Dumfries, are you discovering local ports there? I mean, what's the audience reaction like? How How, how is that? It's been fascinating. It really has, like, especially for me, Dumfries and Inverness are kind of the two kind of most interesting aspects of it. So in Dumfries, we partnered with the Stove Network, which is like a community hub, kind of cafe slash workshop space slash performance venue. They're they're amazing. The work they do in that local community is incredible. And like they they embraced us, they they loved what we we brought out there to the point where they wrapped doing their regular night, Brave New Words, because they were like, we can do more here with this. And so they stopped doing their night and they're totally reformatting it and kind of relaunched it with with like a whole new bit of gusto behind it. Um, and like, it means the world to me when poets point to what we do and either go, this encouraged me to get started mm -hmm. or, or it encouraged me to go harder and, and get some stuff. And so uh, one of the one of the two people who qualified from the Dumfries um, slam we did for the, the grand final. And she was the first person we booked as a feature in Dumfries is Susie Briggs, mm -hmm. who just like today, as we record this or yesterday was announced as the Scott screamer uh, from the national library. Fantastic. And she, in the space since we met her, she's been getting gigs all over the country. She published a book she like has been smashing all these gigs and when we did the grand slam final we we're all going for a drink afterwards and she like pulled me aside and she was like i wouldn't have done any of this if you guys hadn't come and showed me what you could achieve in spoken word and i <laughs> tears did like destroyed by it and like having that reaction from someone in that scene and seeing how amazing she's doing and what she's achieving and like if, if we played a tiny role in motivating that then worth it like 100 percent, and then like in Inverness going up there we were just up there the other week we took Harry Baker who's like one of the biggest names in UK spoken word took him up to up to Inverness and um, again a, a good community focused uh sort of space the bike shed uh, and a bunch of people came who had been at the slam and and people who who had been heard about the slam we had done and so had come this time and they, they, it was the feedback was just incredible, and like how desperate they were to be like, 
are you immediately like are you coming back next year is that what's happening can like is there going to be more of this because the the talent is there the talent is always there especially when it comes to something like spoken word people have stuff to say and like the yeah I, I was pointing to like you know the Beatles right didn't know how to read or write sheet music but they knew it sounded right they knew it sounded good and for me spoken word you can start with just that if you if you have a, a kind of an idea of rhythm of, of timing and something to say with it you can you can be immediately really really good at spoken word and so there are people in that scene that you can tell are chomping at the bit to have more platforms to do and like it was it was really nice seeing that after we were up, then Vernes Lit Festival did a, a slam. And I, I I think it got more attendees based off the back of there had been something else just there that people were excited for. And like the, the Inverness post that came down, our our slam final, we had, you know, we can't curate that. It's all just random winners. We had like a Doric speaker, a Scott speaker, a Gallic speaker. We had like people, you know, chatting on every what subject from all over the, the, the country. And like, yeah, seeing that impact on the local scenes means a huge amount to me. Like, and I guess that's something I hadn't really thought about till now. But the spoken aspect of spoken word, if you go to places and you're hearing voices in Inverness that sounds like your voices that you might not have heard performing before, then suddenly you're like, well, I can get up and do that because you know that's some, and that's hugely important because if it's just central belt voices, as it so often is in so many of the arts then uh, it's not it's not going to hit these places oh no exactly like and, and that goes for everything you need to see yourself represented in something to to know that you can do that thing like it, it, it's and we we look at it when you know we're we're there's a huge push for for the last decade when I first started in spoken word it was hard to get women to sign up to slams and like 10 years of like proactive booking gender diverse lineups has has meant that like our slam series was massively dominated by women which is the ace and like the same with having you know poets from from you know varying ethnic minorities or disabled poets two of our, our finalists are registered disabled and like booking proactively and presenting people the an image of themselves and being a welcoming space you see it change your audience demographic and you see it change the demographic of people who volunteer themselves to be part of of your your nights that, that go forward for it and that's the same in terms of you know minority languages or even accent like if you if you never look past the central belt and never take that into account why would those people want to engage with you you're you're then you're just an edinburgh knight like it doesn't mean anything to them and it was why the first year we did the sort of regional tour was when when we went there the first night we already had a second night booked because we wanted to say we're not just cruising by a try and you know had our event list like we're here to try and make a commitment to be in that scene and we partnered with other organizations because we're not flying in and put up the loud poets banner and then disappear we want to make your night better we want to we want to elevate the night you already go to and do something different with it and make it you know something interesting give those promoters an extra thing a book right and so like those kind of proactive decisions about how you approach places outside the central belt, how you engage with them, how you showcase them, it, it sets the tone for your relationship with those places. And we've had a very good positive experience because we 
set the right tone. Like, yeah. And it's one thing, even if, if you uh, speak or read Gaelic or Scots or Doric or anything, to reading it on the page is different, but hearing it out loud in the voice and the accent and whatever is, is exactly the difference and the strong difference. And you said something earlier, which I'm interested in, um, that you put out an anthology and you had to be kick, dragged kicking and screaming to do it. But is that because in your head, it's almost a separate thing you're doing? The spoken word is not a, a journey towards publication as so many maybe previously, you know, I, I do an open mic, I, I do a, a, a spoken word night and eventually I get a, a collection published. Yeah. To you, it's a different thing. Yeah, oh, 100%. The way I always describe it, because people are like, what's the difference, right, between sort of page poetry and, and, and stage poetry or spoken word? And for me, page poetry is meant to be read and reread. It's meant to be poured over. And, and you know, every time you read it, you can glean something new. And when you read a poem, you can look up the words you don't understand or the references that you weren't aware of. You can learn about the poet's background and their their entirety of their work and what they're trying to say with that right in a stage poem you have the amount of time that the poem is actively being said to you to take on the message of that piece and so we're you're, you're trying to do a very different thing in page poetry you have all these tools you know the the form of poetry that itself infers something about what you're trying to say with the poem and spoken word has that too you have your physical body, your your intonation and tone, and that the they have a similar end goal in that they're trying to elicit an emotional reaction. But the way in which they do that is entirely different. And for me, most poems can be read out loud and are fine. And yeah. most poems can be written down and are fine. But I think a page poem read aloud is if it's meant to be dense language and it's meant to be poured over does lose something and i think a stage poem pinned to the page that is meant to be very visual or very emotive or very physical is like it does lose something because they're they're trying to yeah achieve achieve different ways to do it and so yeah i my poetry i always write with the idea of of performing it in mind I, I read it out loud. I, I When I first started writing, I wrote all my poems in my head. I didn't even write them down. And so like rhythm and tempo and stuff is so integral to, to my writing practice. And like what you said there is bang on. It is not, spoken word is not a path towards publication. And it shouldn't be. It's one of the reasons we film everything we do is because if you're a poet and you publish something, well, that gets archived you know that that's that's preserved forever if you do spoken word that's gone like it doesn't there's no record of you and so a big thing for us is creating an archive of, of spoken word and like we have the tools to do that now with with filming and so whereas previously i would always look at it and go like sheet music right was an attempt to get a a piece of music written in germany and played on a grand piano <laughs> to another part of the world where you couldn't get that German composer with his grand piano. Like we didn't just stop translating it back into music. Imagine if we just read sheet music and inferred from there the sound that it was trying to create. And for me, with poetry, 
I see the the root of it, the 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 the, the natural way to do it is a, is an oral tradition, and what page poetry is is a, a set of tools that allows you to translate that sound, but like. And and that's obviously developed and, and 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 is its own thing now. But for me, the main aim should be to say your poems out loud to other people. For me, as a spoken word poet, I've tried to get to become a better writer, like to learn about form and structure and and to 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 take on more traditional poetry. And I think traditional poets should work to be better readers. And that doesn't necessarily mean needing to be like, you know, yeah, John Cooper Clark, <laughs> but it does mean like know how to read your poem out loud like it's not the first time you've read it out loud and i i think if we if more people tried to find the happy middle then you would get more um you would get more range out of your own stuff i now write poems that i think are good page poems and i would rather they were on pages but i don't think that's my best stuff so when we were doing the anthology like the reality is that sometimes that is because it's it's a thing you can sell at gigs, which helps yeah. you put on the next gig. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily my aim. If I had if I had my way, the aim for spoken word poets should be to have like a Netflix special, like comedians. Yeah. Like I, I still don't understand why that isn't a thing. I've seen I've seen some. I saw Imogen Sterling's Love the Sinner show this year, oh. and I was like, why is that not on Netflix? Like it's incredible and i think if if we could if we could get one or two of them through that bar then you would suddenly see that open up as a as a as a possibility i would love to see bbc scotland take a bit of the initiative for a country that is so deeply steeped in poetic tradition and and oral poetry tradition to actually showcase some contemporary oral poetry in a more elaborate way than they have done and that's my kind of that's the big 10-year goal. <laughs> well, I think you're, you're so right. Now you can have um, a, these nights on video, so potentially meet, get into a much larger audience than you would do otherwise, of course. But also that for me is, is the future almost a academic um, research facilities. You know, yeah, I, I remember years and years ago going to see Edwin Morgan at the Tron Theatre and nobody filmed that. And you think, wow, what a great thing that would be to see, you know, to yeah, still yeah. have that there. So now you're going to have this catalogue of performances and poets and all of these things. And I think increasingly audio, visual, you know, podcasts, whatever it might be, that's going to be a resource for people, you know, who are, are looking at this. Do you look at yourself as being in the long tradition of Scottish poetry and spoken word and literature in general. Do you see that? Are you fitting in that? Yeah, I I think we're like the weird, <laughs> the weird sort of redheaded stepchild of it a bit. But like I, you know, we're still very much part of that tradition. Like I I love I love doing a Burns night. You know what I mean? And like celebrating that that tradition. You look at slam poetry and you go, well we had flighting you know what i mean like there's there's there are these similarities not exactly the same thing but you know there's there's always been that tradition and like i you know i love scottish storytelling and and even there's a very thin line between storytelling and spoken word poetry you know what i mean like the 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 i i, I and i love where those things blur like where we're the the you know rich tradition of scottish sketch comedy 
I've done poems that many poets are like, that's not a poem. That's a weird rhyming skit that you're doing. Like, and, and that's maybe, you know, maybe true. I, I don't know. I'm still yet to find a definition of the word poetry that I'm fully satisfied by. I, I think I think spoken word is is such a, a flexible, malleable art form. And I think it so fits with like the Scottish tradition of, of what literature is. Yeah. That like it is it is a tool for saying something big and sharing that as widely as possible. Whether that's a book or a poem or a or a theater show, I think I think the arbitrary lines can be a bit, you know, uh, it's good for a program. No, whether you're going to a comedy show or a theater show, but in the in the you know the the grand scheme of things, to, what what defines each specific category is always going to blur at the edges. And I think you know when when you look at what we do, there is still, and I, I think more and more the lit scene is is aware that that spoken word is not less polished poetry. It is not. Poetry without the 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 practice and the the understanding of what you're trying to achieve. I think that's often what what the old idea was. Like yeah. ten, even ten years ago, people were like, "Oh, so it's for people who don't really know what poetry is, and they just write something that vaguely rhymes." And you're like, "I think most people are catching on now that it is its own thing, and you're trying to achieve something different." And I know I know some absolutely tremendous poets who can write both, and they know when they're writing one yeah. or the other. Yeah, yeah. And so to suggest that those poets aren't as literary as anyone else is, I, I think, a misnomer. And like I, I always put to, we are very, very privileged to have worked many, many times with Hannah Lavery, who's the Edinburgh Macker. And I, I, I dare anyone to say she's no literary. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she comes to our nights and has an absolute ball, and she, she, she works within the the confines of what we do. We had one, one this fringe. <laughs> we had Hannah Lavery and uh, Will Nami, MC Hammersmith, the improv co comedian rapper, on the same bill. And the show was great and it worked. And I, I, maybe there is a dividing line between those two. I mean, there, there certainly is in terms of content, but I don't think one had more merit or worth than the other. And I, yeah. I, I wish more people took that approach. And I, th I think there is a kind of, if there was a, a kind of distinct line previously, those lines are blurred, if not kind of I extinguished, partly for the reason that you've said and the work that you do as well, that uh, I, I'm interested, you said, you know, people, and I think I'm sure I've spoken to a few who say, I know when I'm writing for performance and I know uh -huh. when I'm writing from the page. Tell us a bit about what's coming up in 2024 for you, Kevin. Oh man, that's a it's a very <laughs> see since the the pandemic, I was like, well, who knows? Because uh, oh. I thought I knew what was happening in twenty twenty. Uh, more of the same. Hopefully, we we want to run our slam series again, and that is that. I'm I'm very keen to cement that now as a feature of 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 the Scottish poetry scene. I think it was a huge huge benefit to the scene. Um, I think it, it engaged a ton of poets, and we we desperately want to do it again. And I have plans, you know, going forward. The sort of five-year <laughs> plan of how we can grow that and make it even bigger and I think getting a solid year two where we managed to go back to those regions that we've been to and and get even more poets involved I think that's that's where my my heavy focus is for the start of next year and I want to I want to engage more in that with the literary scene and so we're talking to more lit festivals and book festivals and things like that and trying to trying to grow those uh slams so they they, they pull in more folk in the regional areas 
uh, we've got a, a bunch of work lined up it's going in <laughs> going in August with Fringe. We're going to do more of that. Our open mic's going to continue to run. I'm very excited. One for me because I never. I'm so I'm so focused on being a promoter and producer nowadays. I'm actually uh, getting to do a very cool like thing as a poet. So I'll be out in Germany at the start of the year. That's I'm going to be. Fun. How, um, working with some teachers out there about how to engage with uh, spoken word uh, and there's going to be a big competition uh, in the first half of the year kids between 13 and 18 are going to be writing in both German and English um, and I'm going to be one of the judges for the English uh, or I think the only judge for the English writing section and the whole competition is going to be based off uh, one of my poems which is very cool and then I'll be back out in the summer to like do a prize giving and stuff uh, which is huge for us because Germany has such a massive established uh, spoken word scene and slam network that I'm like super keen to get out there and, and see more of it and kind of wave the flag for Scottish poetry out there. Um, so that that's that's it, getting out and about more and doing more work to, to kind of showcase. We're going to be working with Bad Betty again, filming their shows. Uh, I'm hoping to continue to like engage with the rest of the UK scene, more shows at the SSC, uh, more more stuff going out on the YouTube. We, we, we put out 500 videos uh, since we launched our YouTube. Um, and we put out more uh, now than we've ever done. And so I, I really want to continue to grow that more Napo Rhymo, more, more podcasts, uh, work that, you know, guys like yourself are doing. It, it, the more avenues we have to engage with the art sector in Scotland, the more support it's going to get. And we all know just now how much support it really needs. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be advocating for that every every chance I can get. And we should let people know where they can find uh, everything about uh, I Am Loud Productions. What's the best way for them to do that? We have all of the social media. Uh, but you can just, iamloud.co is our website. And we, we try to keep that as updated as possible. If you're if you're not on the website, I Am Loud or I Am Loud Pro, Google Loud Poets and you'll find us. Uh... I'll put all the links to everything <laughs> on the accompanying post. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been absolutely fascinating. No, oh, thank you for letting me have a good rant. There's nothing I enjoy more than chatting about uh, the Scottish spoken word scene. Fantastic. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Mm -hmm.